M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I was like, piss off, mate. You trying to kill me? This is M. Salation. So they all buy a boat together and they pick up hot pirates. This thing ruts itself. A lot of reality <laughs> shows about vulvas. And you know what? I'm enjoying them. That stuff can get really ratty. And you can look like you got a dead spider on your eyelid, okay? I just go into the salt chumpy, you could carve it. You're in M. Salation. Mate, you didn't have the mask on your vagina. I don't understand. <laughs> Hello, my lovely ones. How are you? Welcome to Emsolation. What a beautiful day it is again in Melbourne. My spirits are high. I went for a jog this morning. I haven't missed a day. Just giving you a little update on my health journey, just the fitness side. I'm feeling good. I've strung together almost two weeks worth and I am noticing that it's made a difference. (laughs) And deep in my heart, I always knew that would be the case, but you know. Hey, I just wanted to let you know about a little win I had. It, it, it was a big win. So a few weeks ago, before lockdown, we went into this current lockdown, I recorded a stand-up special for the Victorian government. They wanted to get a bunch of us together just to do something nice for Victorians, to give them something to watch each week because obviously as live performers, we cannot get on a stage in Victoria. And it was so wonderful. Dad and I showed up. We got to be on stage and I just – I kind of felt – I felt like I'd made a puzzle but was missing one piece and when I got on stage it was like sliding that last piece into your beautiful puzzle and feeling complete. Jeez, that was a weird analogy but you get what I mean. The magic returned to my veins. It was so much fun. Well, that stand-up spot finally got to air uh, on on Tuesday night, the 15th, Tuesday of this week. And a lot of you watched it, but the reason it was such a big deal to me is because for so long, 10 years I've been doing stand-up comedy, I have always really struggled with the idea of the comedy spot. Now, a spot is when a comedian goes on stage, does 10 minutes of their best gear and then gets off. I, on the other hand, are the type of comedian that likes to do a two-hour extravaganza that involves costumes, part drag show, part Cirque du Soleil. I sing. I've got to have this whole story arc, a narrative. I've got to learn things. Whereas most other comics just kind of get on hilarious for 10 minutes and they leave and they go and do that probably four or five more times that night. I have always been very bad at that and I've fixated on it. And I usually tank and go down in flames in front of other comedians, other comedians whose approval I desperately want because I'm very needy like that. But last year, kind of toward the end of last year when my stand-up special aired and you know, I felt quite validated as a performer. I don't know. I let it go. I let go wanting their love and approval. So when I got asked to do this spot, I walked in feeling eerily calm and I just thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do what I'm really good at in a condensed form and not get so overwrought that I stuff it up because I'm more focused on the comedians than the audience. And I did that. I went in with dad, I did a little bit of gear, I did a song and I didn't stuff up. I felt like it was really tight and solid and I watched it back last night and when it ended, I said to Scott, I'm really proud of myself and I never take the wins. I never allow myself to say, yeah, you did good kid. I always just power on to the next thing. So I think because I've slowed down in lockdown and because I'm not performing at the moment and God, I'm missing it so much, I miss performing so much it hurts my teeth like I just I can't can't tell you I can't emote through this microphone into your ear holes how much how lost I feel without not being able to get on a stage and do what I do and do what I'm best at but I've had time to reflect and then after I watched last night's spot I said I'm I'm proud of myself I, I can tick that off my list of skills that I've learned 
and conquered. If you haven't watched it yet, you can. It's there to watch. You can go to together.vic.gov.au. It's free. The government paid me to do it, so that's great. I didn't give away my art for free because you know I'm going to stop doing that. And um, it'd be great if you can check it out. Let me know what you think. The little song that I did is um, it's affected a lot of you. If I had some uh, feedback, I'll play it. Here's just a tiny bit. I'll just play a little tiny bit. Here you go. I thought I'd do something that just to, to bring us all together, to rouse our spirits, to galvanise Victorians at the moment because it, it is a bit tough. I come from the bedroom, no pants, my bra undone. I gave up on personal hygiene halfway through lockdown one. I stumble to the lounge room and stare at my three kids. Their screen time has quadrupled, but I don't give a shit. Yes, we all felt very patriotic after that. Anyway, uh, best I move on, best I get Michael in. Before I do, though, on Friday there's going to be a little bonus mini ep come out. We know you love those. Uh, A little while ago when we first started the podcast, when Scott, my husband, was on it before we needed him to babysit, we had listener Liz send us a message saying she needed Scott's advice on how to ask for a promotion at work. Wow. We have a follow-up podcast because listener Liz has contacted us with what's been going on in her life and it's just bloody marvellous. So I thought I'd turn that into a whole little thing for you. That'll come out Friday and it's just, it's really uplifting. I'm so happy for her. I'm probably giving it away. And then Michael and I thought maybe he and I will do an advice segment until Scotty can come back onto the podcast uh, and that will be when school goes back. We thought maybe you would like us to solve some problems. Look, obviously we're not qualified like my husband is, so make it petty. Make the problems, you know, stuff that we're good at. Maybe relationshipy, parenty things. I don't know. And like I said, it can be small. It can be dumb. We love to do deep dives on dumb stuff. So email whatever you'd like advice on from Michael or I at to hello at mraciano.com. And we will hopefully talk about it on the show and solve your issue or possibly confuse you even further. (laughs) All right, guys, that's enough from me. Enjoy this episode. It is wonderful. I laughed so much. You get documentary recommendations. We update you on the Chris Evans dick pic sitch. And we also talk about this delicious thing that's gone on between an ADF officer and a woman staying at the same hotel. He was in quarantine. She wasn't. He's 26. She's 53. It's delicious. But also, I do not condone breaking quarantine. Quarantine is very important. Naughty, naughty, naughty. But also, this is a very sexy story. But bad. But sexy. But bad. I don't condone it. So sexy. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. All right, Michael Lucas, we have so much to discuss. So many things have happened since I last met you. So many <laughs> developments to ongoing narratives. Where should we start? Should we start with the sexy rendezvous in Sydney? Should we do dick pic update? Should we do everything's doomed on social media? I'll let you pick where you want to start today. I think let's start dark and move towards the light. (laughs) (laughs) The light being (laughs) cross generational quarantine sex. (laughs) So let's let's start. Let's let's do our docos. Oh, doco roundup! It's time for doco roundup. So 
you and I have fully embraced middle-agedom, even though we're only 41, and have become doco people. <laughs> totally have. And what's more disturbing for me is I'm watching docos, uh, historical nostalgic docos about periods of my life where I was already an adult, which is just the <laughs> essence of old age. <laughs> oh, remember that time? Yeah. Yes. So you tell us about your doco first because I do not want to watch it for so many reasons. I'm already a semi-conspiracy theorist who's paranoid about everything. So I feel like what you've been watching may tip me over. It's yes. What I've been watching is called The Social Dilemma, which is on Netflix, and um, it's basically a doco where a whole lot of, of of the nerdy dudes that set up the social media companies, your Facebooks, your Instagrams, and everyone, they're all speaking on camera, talking about the algorithms they've put in and how destructive they can be, and um, and yeah, basically, it's terrifying. It's absolutely <laughs> terrifying. It looks at what it does to the human brain. It looks at how addictive it is. And it looks at the effects that it has on kids as well, like people, children coming up at the skyrocketing rates of depression and suicide amongst amongst uh, American teenagers that are growing oh, up with social God. media. But then it also just draws this link. It draws this link to like the polarization that's happening and how these algorithms are so insidious and are, and are set up to sort of push you even more and more extreme into whatever little avenue you're going down. Well, yeah, remember we listened, we talked about that podcast we listened to, it was from the New York Times, the rabbit hole one, yeah. where you, the guy who was in charge of the YouTube algorithms yep. said, you know, if someone typed in, say, a white supremacist video, then they would start suggesting more white supremacist videos at the side. So they were kind of weaponizing these young men and indoctrinating them rather than suggesting, you know, here's a friendly bunny rabbit being peaceful. Totally. Just- it just makes you a more extreme version of something. Like when I go on Instagram now, it has got so gay. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> it is buff men and vintage Madonna pics and that is it. That is all Same. I'm getting. Oh, my God, we have the same algorithm. <laughs> That's <laughs> not surprising at all. But, see, I'm not mad at my algorithms. I have bought so many great things because, like, I'm not mad at the suggestions I get. I know. And no that, but that's part re- of the insidious thing that the doco sort of points that out. Obviously, like, all of us would say, what's the harm? We just get shown <laughs> something we're likely to like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the difference would be it does wedge you to your phone more, keeps you addicted, mm. keeps you seeing more advertising, which is what they want. And mm. um, and it also, the interesting thing is like still social media has been around for over a decade now, but it's still the Wild West. Like there's no regulation. Like when we were kids, yeah. we would watch Saturday morning cartoons and all the ads we saw had to go through so much regulation to get in front of us, but there's none of that exists now. And basically what the, like when you watch this doco, you walk away thinking, Jesus Christ, we've got to get some rules in place. And maybe this whole notion of algorithms learning our personalities and deliberately putting addictive stuff in front of us, maybe we need to start regulating that because it's twisting our brains and it's going to destroy society. Oh, Jesus. Way to bring the mood up. Facebook discovered that they were able to affect real world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. They are completely clueless. And it also talks about the spread of fake news as well. Fake news spreads six times faster than true news. We're being bombarded with rumors. Everyone's entitled to their own facts. There's really no need for people to come together. In fact, there's really no need for people to interact. We have less control over who we are and what we really believe. 
If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. The algorithms aren't sorting out what's true and what's fake. And so you start, this is why QAnon and, and you know, COVID conspiracists and people who don't believe global warming's real and everything, it gets so much traction because you keep clicking links and go further and further and further down the rabbit hole and you get ever more extreme stuff. And because they want to keep you online, yes. it's all designed to pull you in. It's really, really terrifying. Are all these people being interviewed uh, former employees? Yes. Of the place? <laughs> yes, some really fundamental, they're, oh. they're basically all white dudes. Let's just put that of out there. Of course they are. And they're yeah. still, even though they're like, you know, back in the mid-2000s when we set it up, they still look so young now. You're like, how old were you back in the I mid-2000s? Know. Can I tell you the most terrifying thing I've read, all those dudes, the people who were the head of eBay, the head of Google, the head of Facebook, all those people, their kids all go to the same school which is technology-free. There's this one yeah. hippie rich school in Silicon Valley where yeah. all their kids go where there's no devices. Well, you can totally see why. All of what them were saying say? they totally think that you should not be on a device before you're 16. Oh, shit. At the earliest is what they say. Yeah, they're really clear about it. They think it's got a really corrosive effect on brains. We get rewarded by parts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. A whole generation is more anxious, more depressed. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. It makes you realise that we're going to get to 20 years from now and then we'll be looking back going, do you remember that time when everyone thought that like algorithms on social media was just completely fine, no one saw the problems coming and everyone got their kids totally like, you know, basically will there be a really screwed up generation that's going to be wandering around? We're pretty lucky because we managed oh to God. fumble our way through into our 20s without social media. Just just one moment. Oh, Dad. <laughs> Can you bring me your iPhone? I need to set it on fire. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well done. You've handled it. Good example. Good parenting. What a parent. Oh, well, I will not 100% categorically be watching that. Thank you. <laughs> what I will be promoting everyone watch. Sorry, so what was that called if people want to really The Social just... Dilemma Netflix. It's the one that everyone's watching and saying they're deleting Facebook. Yeah, okay. Let me give you something life-affirming, everybody. Okay. Let me erase that foul taste from your mouth and brain. <laughs> I want to talk to you about a little documentary called My Octopus Teacher. <laughs> oh! A lot of people say an octopus is like an alien. But the strange thing is, as you get closer to them, you realise that we're very similar in a lot of ways. Now, while that does sound it could be like an indie art house film, it's not. It's it's a literal title. Mm. So this burnt out South African filmmaker Craig Foster, he just he just realizes he's just lost meaning in life. He has that midlife crisis. He he can't make another film. He's exhausted. He he needs a radical change. So he he decides to go back to where he grew up, which was on the tip of South Africa in the most wildest Pacific Ocean. Like it's crazy. He lives in a house, which is essentially my worst nightmare, where waves crash into the windows at night when it's high tide. Jesus like, Christ! Can you imagine? It's terrifying. Anyway, he lived at the edge of this massive kelp forest and the water gets down to like five degrees and he decides to go like what he used to do as a kid, reconnect with the stuff he did in his childhood and go do um, diving and, and snorkelling. Yeah. And he one day out snorkelling discovers this beautiful octopus and over the series, over a course of like a year, he goes back every single day and befriends the octopus. And I had this crazy idea what happens if I just went every day? 
recognise that there's a line that can't be crossed. And it is just the most beautiful relationship. He falls in love with the octopus. I'm. It's not a word of a lie. The wife is <laughs> his human wife, white from the doco. I, I'm pretty sure there's a human wife because there's a human son. But we just learn about the love affair between him and this extraordinary octopus. He refers to her as a her. She kind of teaches him. She, she has this really beautiful soothing effect on him and realises that, you know, life can be beautiful again and it's this totally transformative thing and then she goes through um, a shark attacks her and takes one of her arms <gasps> and, like, I'm crying but then octopuses can grow arms back. Who knew? And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then they, and then um, he he discovers this thing. He makes a scientific discovery because he's observing her so closely every day. So every day he goes into this freezing cold ocean, doesn't wear a wetsuit because instinctively he knew that he wouldn't be able to like become one with the kelp forest if he was wearing a wetsuit. So and he doesn't wear a scuba tank. He just holds his breath. He's amazing. He's like Aquaman. Basically, octopuses to protect themselves can do a shield wall for the Viking fans out there. When the head Viking, Ragnar Lothbrook, yells out, shield wall, all the Vikings gather in and they put a shield up and they protect themselves from arrows. Shield wall! Octopuses can make a shield wall. Sorry, I'm getting to be excited. I just turned down. Octopuses can make a shield wall with shells. And, and really? no one in science ever even knew that until this guy, the burnt-out filmmaker, Craig Foster, discovered it. Anyway, we go through this whole journey. He becomes closer with his son, who he was kind of estranged from because he was having a midlife crisis. Oh, the octopus teaches him how to love. Correct. The octopus teaches him how to love. And in the end, the octopus, octopuses only live for a year and octopuses die giving birth. They literally sacrifice their lives for their babies. They are selfless. And it's just beautiful. And then him and his son, they go out. Scuba diving now together every day. They're best mates, besties. His son wants to be a marine biologist. Oh. And, and they find her babies. Oh. And it is the most stunning. I mean, it's it's an hour too long, guys. It almost goes to two hours. I was like, all right, we get it. You love the octopus. You're a better person. Come on, snap it up, snap it up. I hadn't been a person that was overly sentimental towards animals before. I realised I was changing. My relationship with people, with humans, was changing. What she taught me was to feel that you're part of this place, not a visitor. Sounds like essentially the same story as E.T., but in octopus marine form. Well, I kind of felt it was more Charlotte's Web. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, he's Wilbur. Yeah. And Charlotte is the octopus girlfriend and... He, and they make friends, and and Charlotte teaches him to that you're a ter- you're a terrific pig, and um because Wilbur was a bit broken, and then Charlotte has all those babies, remember, and okay. and Wilbur's like, oh I'll look after you, I'll look after you, and then and then um oh my, what's his name, Craig, Craig finds the babies, a la Charlotte's babies, a la Wilbur, really felt like an aquatic Charlotte's web to me, or. Yeah. An octopus pretty woman if it had its original oh. pretty woman ending oh. in the sense that he's oh, all yeah. shut down yeah, and he's all yeah. shut down emotionally yeah. and then he meets the Julia Roberts slash octopus and octopus then maybe the bit with the shells is oh, the equivalent yeah. of, remember when he first sees her in the cocktail dress and he's like, yeah. I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't know you could be that. And he's, he's, he's changed. Yes. 
Could be like that. And then because originally, you know, originally that wasn't the ending of Pretty Woman. They went their separate ways originally. She went wow. to college. Well, she didn't die after giving birth to 500,000 babies either. Would have been is- an interesting end to that movie. <laughs> so anyway, I know you probably feel like you don't need to watch it now because I'll give you the whole synopsis, but definitely worth a look just for his <laughs> filming alone. And, you know, he rediscovered his love of filming. Highly recommend, would recommend 10 out of 10. There you go. <laughs> That's our doco recommendations for you. That was dark around We've gone two very, very different routes there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking to kind of soothe and you're looking to educate. And sometimes, you know, you, you go through you go through moods. So it's, a, it's something for all moods. Now we need to just um, do a little bit of a dick pic update. Uh, just <laughs> for those of you following along, obviously, you, if you've listened to the last episode, we all know Chris Evans accidentally leaked a picture of his peen online. It was it was a huge, I mean, the peen was huge, but the reaction was huge also. And um, he took responsibility for it and responded in such a legendary way. I honestly, I put my mind to it. I, who, yeah, no better response. Could it's you impossible. give a better, like, you're pretty good at this stuff. Like, if I, I, I'd be more likely to make this mistake than you. Like what would you what would you have told me to write that? I, I definitely would have said somehow turn it into a joke or something, but I don't think it would have occurred to me to use it. I know it's it's better than what I would have come up with. I think so. He's he's tweeted in response to the world seeing his giant dong. Now that I have your attention, emoji with the hand on the face, emoji shrug. Vote November third. Oh, Hats I'm off. Gonna, I'm just going to put my mic down. <laughs> Hats off, Which, it's funny and then also oops, turning the whole incident, turning lemons into lemonade. Hats fucking off, sir. I mean, he is a hero, really. And uh, also he's spoken about it. He went on a talk show um, and the woman who was talking to him about it faffed about trying to – Bloody get to the point. If I was the interviewer, <laughs> you were I'd pretty like, impatient with her. I felt like she just no. she hadn't tested the waters with him. She didn't know where he stood. And to be fair, he was sitting there with a bit of a. He did. He certainly didn't look comfortable. I wouldn't be. I, you know, I, I would be concerned. I'm just going to bring it up, <sighs> and he's going. I'm sorry, but how dare you ask me about that? I'm walking out. I, that, it looked like that could have been a possibility. All right, let's have a listen. You said, "Now that I have your attention, vote." What happened, Chris? Something happened this weekend? <laughs> um. You know what? I, I, your brother, go after your brother, first of all, because his tweet caught my eye. I don't know how your tweet didn't catch my eye, but his tweet caught my eye. What is you he know, talking really about? I was traveling from New York to D.C. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I was really busy. And Mark, I that is so nice of you to try to cover for Chris, but I will cut your mic off. Chris, <laughs> how are you feeling? I mean, you're, you're, you've used uh, this to, to get our eyes on something that is sure. more important. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 called turning a frown upside down, Cameron. Uh, you know, it, look, it was, it was uh, an interesting weekend full of... Uh, <laughs> Lessons learned, a lot of teachable moments. Um, you know, you know, things happen. It's embarrassing. You got to roll with the punches. Uh, I will say, I have some pretty, some pretty fantastic fans who really came to my support. Yes, they did. No, she's fumbled around. I would have been straight in. <laughs> so, Chris, um, we all know you're circumcised. Tell us more. <gasps> How the hell did this happen, friend? What happened? Do you not have a p- passcode on your phone? What's going on? I would have asked that. And I certainly would have asked him about the pussy picture. 
that for me is still a mystery. That still hasn't been explained. <laughs> I think that's just going to be a mystery that echoes through the centuries, Em. I don't think we will <laughs> ever definitively know why he had that picture saying protect the pussy. I'm sorry. I refuse to believe that someone on the internet can't get that information. It's the internet. <laughs> I'm just flash forwarding to the end of your life where you're on your deathbed going, I need, I still need to know. Chris Evans, what was it about? Did you make it yourself? Who's pussy? (laughs) And what, is there something you know that we don't know? Is someone coming for our pussies? What's going on? Is there going to be an alien attack? No, I just need to know. Anyway, what what we were, uh, what did warm my hearts? And he did mention that. Uh, his fans, he has this great army of fans. And can I just ask, anyone listening now who considers himself a fan of me, should I make a similar type of mistake? Could you just flood the internet with pictures of like, I don't know, uh, what what would people flood the internet of pictures for me, of me doing something, I don't know, maybe me, oh, no, me with 12 vaginas because if I leaked a picture of my vagina, I wouldn't want to remind people of me standing next to giant vaginas. No, you just want them to leak very flattering shots of you in very fabulous costumes. That's your yeah. equivalent of playing with dogs. Yeah. That's it. yeah. You want, like, they were linking how he would choose to present himself, which is playing, and how you would choose to present yourself yes. is in an unbelievable sequined outfit. Yes, just uh, just put my head onto all the drag race drag queens, basically, and just release those photos into the wild. I would def- – but that was very nice because he has a very strong dog game, Instagram dog game, as you pointed out. Mm. So, um, And he thanked all his fans, which was lovely. So <laughs> <laughs> there's your dick pic update. Um, but it's time for us to move to something that's pretty exciting. Um <laughs> I found this story last night and I fervently texted it to you. Uh, there's been a little incident with an ADF officer in Sydney. He's been fined for sneaking a woman into his quarantined, his, his hotel room, which he was quarantined in. Now, he's a 26-year-old Air Force officer and she's a 53-year-old woman. Yes, girl. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Sorry. Now, I just want to precursor all of this with obviously Michael and I know that quarantine is very important, don't we, Michael? We are not at all endorsing people breaking quarantine rules and we we do not look kindly upon those sort of breaches. Of course not. We're all in this together. Having said that. Yeah, girl. (laughs) Get it, girl. Sorry, I've done so much yelling this this episode. I apologise. No, it's um, good. I feel like you're you're drifting away from the mic just enough so that we get okay. we get the full exclamation without our eardrums bursting. <laughs> so you're doing quite well. The man was uh, the man is a serving ADF member. He was undertaking quarantine. He'd been on an overseas deployment. She was just a guest at P1 Hotel in Sydney, a non-quarantining guest. The two were strangers, and um, apparently they saw each other. Oh, I need some music, Matt. My editor put some music in. <laughs> they saw each other from their respective hotel room windows and liked what they saw. So he, who was he was holding a beer, just standing there looking all uh, sexy and ADF-y, and he held up a sign with his phone number written on it. Whoa. And the sign did say he was responsible or am in mandatory isolation. <laughs> okay, that's good. He declared himself. <laughs> he declared himself. The woman... Who was also drinking. I love how these are the facts in the stories. Like, mm. this is fantastic. Fantastic journalism here. Um, she phoned him straight away. 
And then the RAAF officer snuck the woman into his room. I have most questions over that, actually, because I just imagine (laughs) naively that a normal hotel guest would be shut off from the quarantining (laughs) guests. Like, you couldn't get through. Aren't there guards? What's happening? Well, I only know that that he was caught entertaining her in quotation marks. Was he doing a dance? Was he doing... Was he showing her how to land a plane? I don't know. But um, she <laughs> was, was he teaching found- her that the best way to do a lift is in the water? Oh, no, hang on. There was no lake. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Uh, so people did hear um, noises coming from his room. And <laughs> so in the middle of the night, the 53-year-old woman, her age mentioned again, uh, was removed from the 26-year-old man. Yeah, girl. From his room and they have both been fined $1,000 and she has been sent home to her house where she must now definitely quarantine. And she also was not allowed to stay the nights that she had booked at the hotel either. She was sent straight home. And I just hope that when she left, I hope she walked to the edge of the foyer, turned around, put sunglasses on and just said, worth it, and then wandered (laughs) out. But, oh, this is this writes itself. (laughs) This, This whole romance writes itself. This is so exciting. But... Just, I mean, we just need to all remember the Melbourne quarantine was in trouble initially and everyone's going on and on about how we should have called in the ADF to assist with the security, but <laughs> should we? Well, <laughs> I don't know that. Let not this one act represent the entire Defence Force of Australia. But nonetheless, I think it does just go to show, look, you can all, all your best plans. It just takes one person who sees an attractive woman having a... <laughs> having a bit of a rosé across the way. <laughs> oh, my God. We, again, just want to point out how important quarantining is. We're all in this together. But, fuck, I love this story. Go, well, I, Also because, you know, we were all there was all these rumours that there was a sex scandal at the centre of our yeah. our quarantine and in the end nothing eventuated so we sort of had a desperation for a quarantine sex saga totally and it didn't happen but then it has in another state we've got 365 days quarantine version finally can't (laughs) wait oh my god i'm so sorry for yelling guys i'll put a a disclaimer about all the yelling i did but you know i was feeling frisky And criminals should never profit from their crimes. But if those two did want to do a sit-down interview, I'd be certainly receptive to hearing every detail of the story. I would love it. Maybe we could do it Australian story style and have to have a reenactment. Ooh, that'd be saucy. We'd need a drone (laughs) and a yacht. Who would you cast? Mmm, good question. Well, I mean, as the 26-year-old, I am partial. Look, I do love Luke Cook. Oh, you love him. Is he? Yes. He's a bit older than that, though, isn't he? Yeah, he could play 26, though. I mean, if Stockard Channing could play Rizzo at 50, okay, I feel sure. like we're okay. Yeah. Um, Luke Cook, he's Satan on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He's one of my favourite Instagram people to follow. Mm. And he does look quite military-esque with the jawline. He does. And then I'd probably cast M. Rossiano as a <laughs> three-year-old. <laughs> She'd be prepared to have her age knocked up. 12 no, years. I'd, who would I cast? Oh, I don't know. Who would you cast? You love you love a strong female lead. I do love it. Look, you know, I could see Rebecca Gibney sitting there swilling her. Oh, there's part of me that for true a true end. Like weirdly, I'm also attracted to the idea. Could it be Gina Riley? I'd watch it. Oh, I do love that. Also, 
I'm also down for like Leilin Chin. Oh, it could go anyway. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we should never be in charge of casting. Three, six, five days quarantine. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. Um, we're done. I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've shouted enough. It, Matt, our editor's like, Em, your mic's been really hot lately. You need to turn it down. I probably needed to turn it off today and you guys still would have heard <laughs> me. <laughs> we, we would just hold the mic up, me from Northgate, and still pick up most of what she's saying. I was excited. All right, thank you so much. We'll chat soon. We will. Goodbye. Okay, bye. This is Emsolation. All right, well, thanks for listening, you magnificent humans. <laughs> Again, I just want to restate. Hotel quarantine is very important. We're all in this together. Please don't break quarantine if you're meant to be in quarantine. You go, girl. Sorry, I had to do it. Hey, if you're listening to this on a Thursday, I'll be on the project tonight. If you do listen to this straight away, I love seeing how you guys work because I see all the stats and I obsessively watch them. And about 10,000 of you listen straight away. You're like, the second it comes out, Thursdays is your day. And then I. It trickles to about 20,000 by, say, Tuesday. So some of you are weekend listeners. I love it. I just, I'm obsessed with statistics. I love looking to see all your habits, see how long you listen for, when you pause. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, God, I'm like that social media documentary. So, yeah, I'm on the project tonight if you're listening on Thursday. Uh, so put your eyes on the telly if you wish to see your girl. Don't forget about the bonus app on Friday. I, what, what am I doing today? Oh. I'm going to go out for a nice walk along the river. I live in the most beautiful part of the world and I've really been enjoying my river walks. And yesterday, I mean, a big deal, I went for a walk with Elio and he discovered pockets. If you haven't seen the video, check it out on my Instagram. And also, go and follow the Emsolation page on Instagram. It's at Emsolation Podcast. I'd love to get to 10,000 so I can do swipe-ups because you can't do swipe-ups on Instagram till you get to 10,000 followers. And there's so many things that, like there's a few of us that run the Instagram page we'd love to send you to, but we can't sitting on about 6,000. So go and follow the account. It's completely different to mine, completely different content. It's not the same as following me, I promise. All right, my darlings, have a great day. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk soon. Tell a friend about us. Bye. Love you.